Hello out there. This is Peter Harris of Commercial Property Advisors, author of the book, Commercial Real Estate Investing for Dummies, and coach and mentor to many commercial real estate investors all across this great nation of ours. The title and subject of today's podcast is Creative Financing for Commercial Real Estate Investors, The Basics You Must Know. All right, so let's get started here. Now, I'm going to cover a few things. I'm going to cover with you seven reasons to use creative financing in in your commercial estate deals. All right. Number two, I'm going to give you the secret sauce to structuring seller finance deals and the one rule you must follow. And number three, I'm going to give you three simple creative financing methods that work. And number four, I'm going to answer the question. It's a really important question. Why would a seller even consider seller financing? Great question, right? And number five, I'm going to give you uh, examples of each in detail. And lastly, I'm going to give you and review the terms or wording you would use to structure a seller finance deal using seller motivations. All right, so let's get started. Let's get started with seven reasons to use creative financing in your commercial estate deals. All right. The first reason is leverage, right? Lower down payment, not having to deal with banks. That's a great reason. Number two, you have the cash resources, but not the credit. Number three, if you are wholesaling this deal, creative financing gives you the immediate impression that the deal is unique, special, and desirable. Okay. So for for you wholesalers out there, this is really important for you guys. Number four, it's a way to finance a property that's in disrepair or distress whereby bank financing just couldn't happen, right? I'm sure many of you have run across that. Number five, if you have a seller who wants to avoid or delay capital gains taxes on a sale, that happens quite frequently. And number six, you're going to find this all over America. Number six is the seller is ill old and tired, or burnt out. Very, very common reason to use creative financing in your commercial deals. And lastly, number seven, it's uh, it's just a fun and cool thing to do. Don't you agree? All right, so next question is, what's the secret to structuring seller finance deals uh, of any size? Okay, this, this goes for apartments, self-storage, mobile home parks, office, uh, uh, retail, all the above, right? What's the secret to structuring seller financed or creative financing? You ready for the secret? The secret is asking. You have to ask, all right? There's power in asking. But I just have one rule when asking, right? Here's the rule. Don't ask about seller financing or anything creative during your first phone call. That might tell them that you have no money and scare them away. So wait until the second or third phone call to do that. So now let's jump into the to the three simple creative financing methods for today. Number one is it's called an owner carry first mortgage. Number two is called an owner carry second mortgage. And number three is my favorite master lease. All right. So let's get started with number one, the owner carry first mortgage. All right. This is must know for you. You just have to know how to do these three. Here's the situation. If a seller has, for example, no debt on his property, he can act as a bank for your financing needs, you know, for your purchase. Simply put, he holds the mortgage for you. Here's an example. If the purchase price is 500000 and you put down 50000 
and then you would make a monthly payment on remaining $450,000 balance, right? Follow me so far? Okay, so that balance is called the own and carry. And as, as for the loan terms and things like that, that's up to the you, you and the seller, right? So that is called an owner carry first mortgage. Let's quickly go over the owner carry second mortgage. And, and uh, I may be going too fast for you, but I'm going to give you an example of each and in a couple of minutes. Owner carry second mortgage. They've been around for quite a while, right? Since the origination of mortgages. Let's say the buyer does not have quite enough saved up for a down payment. Let's say that you only have 15% of the purchase price and the lender wants 25%. So you're a few dollars short. What the seller can do is help you buy uh, the property by holding a second mortgage for the remaining down payment proceeds. Again, you have 15%. The bank wants 25%. The seller can hold the remaining 10% as a second mortgage, thereby satisfying the lender's 25% requirement. Okay, follow me? All right, if you're now following me, I'm gonna give you an example very soon. So the, the first method was the owner carry first. The second me- method is the owner carry second. The third method is my favorite, is a master lease agreement, where you need no banks, no credit, no experience for this strategy. And it's one of my favorites. And I'll give you a great example in a couple of minutes, a master lease, right? So first of all, let's kind of go over the owner carry first, right? And quick reminder, right? Let's say the purchase price is 500000 You put down 50000 and then you make monthly payments on the remaining $450,000 balance, right? That's the owner carry. Make the payments on agreed upon loan terms between you and the seller, all right? So here's the question. Why would the seller do this for you when he could simply get another investor to cash them out completely? So why would he do that for you, right? So why would an owner carry first work at all? Well, I'm going to give you a few reasons why, all right? Listen to these reasons because you can you can look at a deal situation that you find online or anywhere and apply this reasoning to structure your very first commercial deal. Here's reason number one. The seller may not want to pay taxes on the sale, right? So the seller can avoid capital gains taxes at the sale and spread out his tax consequences over a period of time if he wants to. That's the beauty uh, seller carry first, all right? Now, in the meantime, the seller will get a down payment. He'll get monthly payments for as long as agreed. Eventually, he'll get paid his entire pool depending on how on when the owner carry amount comes due, all right? Now, for tax consequences, the seller will only report as income the money you pay him, down payment plus the payments for the taxable year, all right? So that's reason number one. I have three other very compelling reasons. So number one is the seller may not want to pay taxes, but he has to sell, right? Here's reason number two. Let's say the property is well below market vacancy, all right? So there's lots of occupancy, and let's say the property is in poor condition, this means that the bank will not lend on the property unless it can show a profit and have its physical condition remedied. You got to fix it up. This is what we call a non-performing or distressed commercial property. All right. With high vacancy and, uh, and an ugly property. Banks don't like those type of properties. This is ideal for creative commercial financing. Now tell me this. How many of those properties have you seen out there? I'm sure you've seen a few and you had no idea what to do with them. This is how you buy them. Here's the third reason. Let's say the property is is in good condition, 
but the seller kept poor or non-existent financial documentation, such as bookkeeping, right? And banks will refuse to lend fully on that type of property. So if you don't have good books and records, how can a bank verify what the historical income has been, right? They, they can't. So if you do get a loan, the loan terms won't be that great. So what you can do is you can purchase this property with creative commercial financing, with the seller being the bank for you. You can nurse the property um, back up, and then later on, when the seller financing uh, expires and the building's working great, you can finance into you know A class or A level loans. Okay, a good a good loan term. Here's the fourth reason, and one of the final reasons. I'll keep it number four for brevity's sake. The seller may need a quick sell because of personal circumstances, such as illness, relocation, divorce, or a need for quick cash. Again, I'm positive that some of you have seen these situations where sellers are sick, they have to relocate overseas, there's a divorce going on, and you need quick cash. Seller financing, seller, um, seller carry, seller carry first mortgages are ideal here. So you must Know how to do those, all right? Okay, by the way, the four reasons I gave you, these are what I call seller motivations that you really need to watch out for. And you want to know why? It's because seller finance deals are put together around seller motivations, all right? So if you ever wanted to know how to put together a creative deal or a seller finance deal, get the seller motivations, number one, all right? Okay. Let me go on to the second creative financing method, which is the owner carry second mortgage, right? Now, as a reminder, let's say the buyer, let's say that you do not have quite enough saved up for a down payment and the bank wants 25%, you only have 15%, so the seller can help you by holding a second mortgage for the remaining 10%, all right, and thereby satisfying the lender's 25% equity requirement, okay? So... That's a way of doing it. Now, let me give you an example of how that works. Let's say you're going to purchase a 10-unit apartment building and the purchase price is 500000 So the down payment requirement is 25% or 125000 okay? But you only have $75,000, right? You only have 15%, but you need 25%. So in order to satisfy the down payment requirements by the, of the bank, the seller agrees to hold a second mortgage against the property for the remaining $50,000, right, or 10%. Now, everyone is happy. The seller gets to sell their property. The buyer gets to, you get to get to purchase the property. And lastly, the lender's equity requirement is satisfied, all right? So that's how you do an owner-carry second mortgage. It is a very, very popular way to leverage yourself into a commercial property, okay? Very popular way. All right, so now... I want to move on to third creative method, which is by far my favorite, and that's the master lease agreement, right? I'm going to share with you, to get started in here, I'm going to share with you an example of a deal that we did. It was a an office building for one of our students, right? So her name is Karen, and her deal was uh, she found a on loopnet.com a vacant class A 8,600 square foot former Remax real estate office, okay? The Remax office went, went out of business, all right? And the owner was three months behind on her mortgage. She sunk her life savings into the building and the business, and she wants to basically avoid bankruptcy and foreclosure, right? She's facing financial ruin 
So she's very motivated. So Karen came to me, Peter, this is what I found. And after hearing her, I go, this is ideal for a master lease, Karen. Uh, here's what I want you to do. So um, to make a long story short, so Karen's idea was to turn the office space into office suites after studying the area's needs. Basically, what she did was she called up a, a professional commercial leasing company, and she asked them point blank, what does the area need? And they said the area needs office suites very badly. So we decided to convert this Remax office into office suites. You know, in this building, um, all the copy machines were there. All the furniture was there. Their break room was all outfitted with nice tables. You know, everything was there. This was just ideal uh, for this situation, right? So here's the deal. The purchase price is $1.3 million, all right? We use a master lease agreement. We put down $75,000, right? And we took over the mortgage payments, the tax payments, and insurance payments, you know, for the owner. The $75,000 down payment was used to catch up with the late payments, pay off the liens, and pay broker commissions. And to make a long story short, once this property was 80% leased up, the property will be worth $2.3 million dollars. At a seven cap. All right. So remember, we bought it for 1.3 empty and at, at 80% occupied is worth, uh, $2.3 million at a seven cap and in which the area can easily afford a seven cap is probably below seven cap today. Right. Now, many of you are asking, how did Karen come up with the 75,000? She brought it from a mother and a sister. Right. Here are the terms that she paid her mother and sister. She gave her mother and sister 8% interest annually plus she gave them a 25% of their profits when she sells, all right? So 8% interest paid annually plus a 25% kicker on the back end. So that's what you can do with, with the master lease. Now, here's a good question um, that many, many of you may be wondering, why was a master lease ideal for this situation? So why did I, when Karen brought this deal to me, why did I say this is, ideal for a master lease. And the reason why is the seller was distressed. She had missed mortgage payments. Uh, so she had a failed business. The building was empty and she had her life savings at stake, right? Again, seller motivations, right? You know, the seller may have been a good real estate agent, but she was not a good investor. So how many times have you seen that these days? Now, another reason why this was ideal for a master lease is, um, most banks will not lend conventionally on an empty commercial property. So if we wanted to take advantage of this situation, buy this property, we have to do it with a master lease, right? And the fourth reason why it's ideal for a master lease is Karen didn't have a down payment or the credit or the net worth to buy a property herself, right? She just didn't have it. Many of you are like that. So that's that's where the master lease comes into play. Now, what is the secret sauce to master leases? All right. That's a great question. Here it is. I'm going to give it to you in, in imaginary quotations. Okay. Here it is. Uh, in the quotation mark, Mr. Seller, I will give you your price if you give me my terms. Let me repeat that. Mr. or Mrs. Seller, I will give you your price. If you give me my terms, that is key language. All right. If the, if the owner of that Remax office wanted her price, she needs to give us our terms and then we have a deal. All right. Now, some of you are asking, okay, so, uh, Peter, how do you come up with the terms? Right. 
Well, it depends on the deal. Right now, I'll give you what uh, some of the terms look like, all right, just so you can maybe fit them to the deal, maybe one of the current deals you're looking at, or perhaps one that you passed up in the past, all right? Term number one, maybe no money down. Term number two, be no money down at closing, but down payment split into payments as certain thresholds like occupancy is achieved, right? Term number three could be no money down and a joint venture with the seller, right? See how creative we can be with this stuff? Number four, let's say you do five or 10% down and you just take over his or her mortgage payments, all right? Or how about five or 10% down and uh, take over mortgage payments, but no payments are made for the first 12 months, all right? All right, how about this? 20 to 25% down, take over mortgage payments, but seller pays a monthly premium, all right? So again, I can go on and on and on and on, right, with these terms, uh, but they depend on the deal. So, you know, Peter, how do you come up with these terms, all right? So you come up with the terms by discovering what the seller motivations are, and then you structure the deal around those motivations. Okay, got it? Now, let me give you a quick test, all right? Make sure you understand this. If the seller is 90 years old, what's most likely to work? A, a 10-year master lease term, or B, a two-year master lease term, right? What's the answer? 90 years old, what's most likely to work? B is most likely to work a two-year master lease term, most likely to work, not a 10-year because he's 90 years old, right? Here's another question for you. If the seller inherited a property that's in high distress, right? So he inherited this property in high distress and he wants a quick sale. What's most likely to work? A small down payment, 10-day due diligence, and a 15-day close, or a large down payment and a 90-day close, all right? Remember, the seller is in high distress and needs a quick sale. What's going to work? Small down payment, 10-day due diligence, 15-day close, or B, Large down payment, 60-day close, all right? And the answer is A, because it's a 15-day close, 10-day due diligence, and he could probably care less about the down payment. He just needs to get out of this deal, all right? Okay, so that's what I want to share with you today. I hope you enjoyed this video on commercial real estate um, financing. These are just must-haves that you must have in your investor tool belt. So if you like podcasts like this, you can get videos like this too. You can go to our website, commercialpropertyadvisors.com. All right. So thank you very much, everyone. And I'll see you at the next podcast.